just said we're looking tonight settled hope in a shaky world and what we need to realize is that the stage is set really for the drama of the ages the coming again of the Lord Jesus and we think obviously as we head towards Christmas of his first coming but actually I was, I was thinking upon that the certainty of his first coming the fact that it has happened and the fulfillment of all of those prophecies is a guarantee that he is coming again and so that should be a helpful perspective to us as we come to this season. It will really happen. And we know, don't we, that there are many unbelievers, uh, sorry, many believers today who are troubled by the times that we're in. And uh, maybe we fall into that category ourselves because they're unsettled times, they're uncertain times, fearful times even. Now, we don't know that these are the absolute last days but they are the last days in the sense of that era that began when the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven and from that time we've been living on the edge of eternity because we know that the Lord Jesus could come back at any moment and that is something maybe that we don't remind ourselves of enough that he really actually could return at any moment and that's been true for over 2,000 years now and the Lord's people are not to be dismayed and unsettled and uncertain, but they are to have a settled faith, which provides a firm foundation for them in difficult days. And it is by having a strong grip on the word that gives us that basis, that foundation that we so much need. If you look at verses 7 through 10, it says, And to give you who are troubled rest with us. And the meaning of that phrase is literally to to settle down, to release the tension, to be calm. And obviously he's been speaking about how the believers at Thessalonica have been facing all of these persecutions and opposition. And really, Paul is taking them to that eternal perspective to settle them down, to calm them. And to give you our troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So just a few thoughts on those verses. And really, it's under that whole element of we don't need to be dismayed. And that's true tonight as much as at any time. We don't need to be dismayed. You who are troubled, Paul says, rest with us. You might say, well, you know, pastor, these are dark days. And that's true. But as one has said, they are gloriously dark because the darkest hour of the night is just before the dawn. Our hope is not in politics. Our hope is not in human leaders. Our hope is not in science. Our hope is not in the advance and resources of man. Our hope is a sure hope that the Lord Jesus is coming again. And the Christ is coming. You know, I love the full title that is given there in verse 7. The Lord Jesus. That's a wonderful statement. The Lord Jesus. You know, today his lordship is veiled. It is ignored. It is ridiculed. But Paul says that it will be revealed. And the word used speaks of a great unveiling. 
And people don't understand who he is. You know, even this time of year, they, they maybe only see a, a babe in the manger. They see the nativity scenes, if they see anything about him at all. You know, some might even know a little bit and think he was a peasant from Galilee or the lowly Nazarene. But friend, when he comes again, he is coming as the Lord Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is coming to be glorified and he is coming to be admired. That's a wonderful thing. Verse 10, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints. When he came the first time, we know that he was spat upon. He was rejected. He was mistreated. When he came the first time, he was ignored. And then worse than being ignored, he was crucified. But when he comes again, he's going to be crowned and he's going to be glorified. And we cannot but read those verses with that terror for those who don't know him and those who have not trusted him. Verse 8, he's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who say that nothing is happening in these days. But you need to understand every time we come under the word of God, every time an unbeliever sits under the word of God, something is taking place, something for which they will give account. And the saviour becomes the judge and men have cursed him behind his back, but they won't curse him to his face. And now God takes no delight in that, but God is a holy God and he will punish sin. And this is something that should give us urgency in our desire to reach out with the gospel. But in verse 7, for us, we see the certainty of his coming, the Christ who is coming. Verse 7, you who are troubled, rest with us. And that word, when the Lord Jesus is revealed. You know, that word, when, is key. So important. It's not if he is revealed. It is when he is revealed, when he is coming. We don't know the exact time because that day and that hour, no one knows. But we do know that there is a time that the Bible calls when and Jesus came the first time on time think of Galatians 4 in the fullness of time he was born on time he died on time he rose on time and he's coming back the second time on time do you know our Lord is never ahead of time our Lord is never late you know the last book in the Old Testament speaks of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Malachi 4 and verse 2 tells us that Jesus is coming as the son of righteousness. It says, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise. And Malachi says that the second coming of Jesus is like the sunrise. I don't know if you ever thought about the sunrise. A couple of things about the sunrise. You know, you can't hurry the sunrise. You can't do it. You can't hurry the sunrise. You know, you can't make... The sun come up early in the morning. You can't speed it up. Secondly, you can't stop the sunrise. The coming of Jesus is like the sunrise. You can't hurry it and you cannot stop it, but it will come. And one of these days, as one explains, the Lord Jesus is going to pull back the shades of night and pin them with a star, open the door of the morning and flood this world with his glory. And that thrills my heart. We don't know the time, but we know that it's certain when the Lord Jesus is revealed. And then in verse 10, I want you to see the wonder of his coming. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired. 
you know, I've read this passage so many times and yet I've never really stopped to think and notice that word admired before. It has the idea of wonder. One paraphrased it like this, it will be a breathtaking wonder to all that believe. Can you imagine what it would be like if we heard the trumpet sound right now? Can you imagine, just think of it, can you imagine admiring him and looking upon him whose name is wonderful? We will wonder at his radiance and his glory and his beauty. And we will wonder at him, his, his transforming and his redeeming love. We will wonder that he has taken stubborn, sinful people like us, like we were, maybe sometimes even are, God-haters, and yet transformed by his love. Those who were living in ignorance and blindness, and yet he has been pleased to open our eyes. Those who have been ensnared by the power of sin and rebellion, righteousness as filthy rights, and yet have been made pure and are accepted, transforming love. And when we are caught up to meet the Lord, we're going to be changed in a moment. It says in Thessalonians, in the twinkling of an eye, and we will also see all the other saints, you know, in their glorified bodies, we will be made like him. Perfected, exalted, prophet, priest, kings, reigning with him, free from all sin. And we will wonder when we see the blood-washed saints caught up to meet the Lord in the air and look around and see what he has done. And we'll wonder at his saving grace. Verse 10, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. He doesn't say all those who did wonderful works. Doesn't say all those who you know gave a lot of money. Doesn't say all those who are intellectually minded. No, we will wonder that we have been saved by his grace. That we are enabled to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the one who bore away our sin, who paid the price. And when we see all the ransomed church of God, we will see those blood-bought, redeemed by the Saviour and there, because by sovereign grace, they were given to believe and to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so gloriously simple. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's a wonderful thing to preach the gospel. And to tell people that if they turn from their sin and believe in Jesus Christ, he will save them to the uttermost. That's the message. And we will wonder at his saving grace on that day. And we'll wonder at his keeping power too, verse 10, to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. All those who believe. Not one will be lost. The God who saves is the God who keeps and so this is going to be a great homecoming. And not one of the family will be missing. You know, if one member of the family was missing, it would be ruined. But everyone will be there. All the ransomed church of God, all the people of God. And Jesus, the head of the family, will be admired amongst all those who believe. You know, the soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose... I will never know, never desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavour to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. No wonder we are going to glorify the Lord Jesus, not just for the glory and beauty of his person, but also for all that he is to us, because he's everything to us. 
And then lastly, the witness of his coming. Look at verse 10. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. When Paul came to Thessalonica, it was a pagan city. It was full of the lost, without hope, hellbound. And he came with the power of the gospel to proclaim Christ and to testify of his saving power and the Lord worked mightily. You know, one of the key proofs that we believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ is not that you have a settled position on the end times. It is not that you may have many notes scribbled down in your Bible about various things, although, you know, it's good to have those things. One of the key proofs that you believe in the second coming of Jesus is that you're trying to bring other souls to Christ. If we are not serious about bringing others to know the Lord Jesus, then we are not where we should be with the Lord. You see, when the Spirit is really at work, Jesus is exalted and his people are emboldened to be his witnesses. Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, a lot of people just quote that verse and stop there. But actually, the verse goes on. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. Why are we here? We are here to be witnesses to Jesus Christ. One preacher put it simply like this. A Christian who does not make any attempt to witness is a contradiction in terms. Whenever we are used to point to someone to the Saviour, it is an incredible thing. When a person is saved, we are given to see another jewel in the Saviour's crown, another blood-bought sinner, another one that is going to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Do you know, in those moments that I had with Andrew, just before those hours he was called home, that's what you see. You see another miracle of grace. And we long that there might be many more like him. You know, one of the greatest privileges that you and I have, and I say you and I, because it's not just about what happens in the pulpit on a Sunday, but all of us have the great privilege to speak of Jesus Christ. The great privilege to proclaim the gospel of our Saviour to those around us. And that is something that shows that we take the seriousness of Jesus coming again as a reality and not just something far off from us. And so what Paul is saying in these opening verses is this, believer, you don't need to be dismayed. You know, with all that's happening in the world, you don't need to be dismayed about that because Jesus is coming again and he rules and he reigns and he's coming. And if you're troubled, you fix your eyes upon him and you look to him. And the days may be dark, the prospects may seem bleak, but God really does have everything under control. And that's true for us in our individual lives. It's true for us as a church. Do you know, there are times when it can be frustrating, and I know John and I have spoken of it recently, you know, we can just write things off. But God is in control. And even though things may be bleak, God is fulfilling his purposes. You know, I had one preacher had that written down in his study. And so I've got it written down now too yeah. to remind me where he says, Jonathan, trust me because I've got everything under control. And that's how we need to see it with the Lord. He really does 
have everything under control. Jesus is coming again. All is being brought to pass. His purposes are being fulfilled. So keep that in view. And whilst the Lord is pleased to keep us here, we are to tell the world of this Saviour. The only true hope in an uncertain world. And hope in him is a settled hope. Confidence in Christ is coming again. You know, there'll be many people who will be fearful tonight. But we have great hope because of Jesus. And that's where our focus needs to be. And that's where we need to keep it. And we must encourage one another to do that too. So I pray that the Lord would help us because we really do have a great cause for hope tonight in the midst of all that is taking place. Amen. Amen.